Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus not Jesus 911. I'm going 108 with my buddy Paul. Uh, Ruben and, and Paul together today. Uh, Jesse is uh, is out today, and Paul is uh, filling in for him. Thank you, thank you, Paul. And uh, it's not often that we get to we get to work together. And um, <laughs> I would have loved to have been in a radio car with you. We I think we think alike, and uh, so uh, we're going to talk about some good topics we're going into today. And one of them is that the new USCCB bishop. He said uh, that there's a link between clergy sex abuse and homosexual priests, and it can't be denied. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, I would imagine that most people that are listening to this show, you know, a good majority of them feel the same way we do. So it's not going to come as any shocking news. But, uh, Paul, what's going on with you over there? Oh, Ruben, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to... uh uh give some comments on this this article so uh i'm having a little trouble pulling the article up but if you go ahead and read it i'll I'll be more than happy to make some comments on it yeah um you know what uh paul this uh bishop i i didn't know anything about him Uh, we briefly talked yesterday um but he's uh timothy broglio he's a he's a canon lawyer and he was assigned to the archdiocese for the military services so I like him already. I like him already. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's also taught at Notre Dame and you know he's got a, yeah. a, a big long resume. And yeah. so uh, he's taking over for um Archbishop uh, Gomez from LA. And so we're going to see what uh what his his agenda is and uh they're trying to they're trying to uh, lock him down. Are you one of the uh are you a, a Pope Francis kind of guy? And uh so Let's get into this. Uh, So he's newly elected uh, and he's come under fire from the left for his continuing assertion that there is a link between the clergy sex abuse and scandal that has rocked the church in recent decades and the presence of homosexual priests within her ranks. And Archbishop Timothy Broglio, who will assume the role of USCCB president at the close of the U.S. Bishop's annual fall gathering, told Military.com in 2018 that there is no question that the crisis of sexual abuse by priests in the USA is directly related to homosexuality. 90% of those abused were boys age 12 and over. There was no longer, that is no longer pedophilia. Uh, any comments on that? Uh, pedophilia? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, uh, you said that he, he made those comments in 2018. Let's hope and pray that between 2018 and 2021, that, you know, that he keeps the same uh, opinion, you know, that yep. that opinion doesn't change because we know that uh, the court of public opinion and the pressure that's applied to our bishops to yeah. try to conform to the ideas of this world uh, are great. Uh, right. And some of those pressures, as you know, Ruben, they come from within the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another thing. Uh, does anyone ever dare to ask you know uh, uh, Ruben there's there's a uh, 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 he states he states the obvious to me that uh, uh, 90% uh, 
or boys over the age of 12. Although 12 might seem young, uh, and it is, this shows that this crime or, or sin, and it is a mm -hmm. crime and a sin, yes. invo involves children who are at the age of uh, puberty, yeah. essentially, and, and, you know, and above. And mm -hmm. this is a, a real critical age in the development of young boys, as you know. Yeah. Um, they're kind of, uh, you know, you know, they, they hit puberty and they're, they're discovering things about their bodies that they've never mm -hmm. uh, known before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you combine, you know, this critical uh, tender age uh, and you understand that everything around them in the world is pushing them to sexualize them. Uh, we're talking about gasoline. <laughs> Yeah. In my opinion, I'm, I'm talking social media. I'm talking movies, talking from uh, those who are supposed to be their mentors and guides. And we call them teachers. But yeah. we know we we know um, the opinion of a lot of them. What mm -hmm. <laughs> <true>. say you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he said, you know, basically, it's certainly an aspect of the sexual crisis. that can't be denied. And um he says not to, point finger, not to point a finger at anyone, but uh, it would be na naive to suggest there's no relationship between the two. Uh, leftist Catholic journalists and LGBT activists within the church were quick to express dismay over Boglio's election and attempt to discredit his statement, claiming that no such link has ever been proven. Ask about prior comments that gay clergy were responsible for the Catholic clergy abuse crisis. New U.S. Catholic Bishop, President Archbishop Broglio claims it's a certainly an aspect, of this, and it can't be denied. And uh, so there's there was a lot of tweeting going on. Uh, there's a Catholic journalist by the name of Joshua McGalloway, and he he asked about the prior comments that gay clergy were responsible for the Catholic clergy abuse, and um, and he and he says it's certainly an aspect. Oh, so he says academic studies have found no re such relationship. That's what this Catholic uh, journalist is saying. And then uh, somebody uh, responded back to him because the vast majority of victims of clerical sexual abuse were post-pubescent. That is not pedophilia. That is homoprodation. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. and you know, when I was, uh, when this really broke, I think it was like 2002, there was a big scandal that we were going through. And uh, I, I was talking to some of my buddies <clears throat> that were detectives in our, what we call special victims the ones who mm -hmm. investigate child abuse and domestic violence. And, um, and, and they were interviewing a lot of priests at the time. And it was, they were just, it was so disturbing to them. And so, some of them, many of them were Catholic and, and it was just uh, disgusting for them to have to hear these things. And, um, but I, I had talks with many of them and they were saying, this is not pedophilia. These are the experts. This, this is not mm -hmm. pedophilia. This is, this is pederasty. Or um, there's another term. Um, it's called um, ephebophile, a person who is erotically attracted to post-pubescent youths, i.e. males in their mid to late teens. A pedophile is, by contrast, is attracted to prepubescent children. And again, pederasty is unnatural carnal union of males with males, especially boys. Sexual activity between two males, sodomy, the crime against nature, used especially when one partner is a boy. Erotic love sexually expressed or, cha or chased between a man and an adolescent boy. And as you know, uh, you were mentioning the schools. 
uh, the teachers and, and what's going on in the woke culture. They're trying to uh, normalize this, Paul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know, Ruben, the first thing I say is, does anyone ever ask what or, uh, you know, uh, or why are these left wing activists, so-called activists doing in the church to begin with? I mean, because they're they're from within the church, right? They're, right. They're, you know, uh, these people that are you know, advocating for these things. And we know there's different uh, certain groups that call themselves Catholic that are advocating for um, rights. Uh, you know, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, same-sex marriage, you know, and all, and those things. But listen, I'm sure the bishop will need a lot of prayer, Ruben. Mm -hmm. uh, the homosexual advocates in the Western culture have amassed a lot of power and wealth, as you know, <laughs> And have demonstrated a willingness to go after perceived enemies. And yeah. notice, I said, notice, Ruben, I said perceived enemies. Why? Because we're not enemies to anybody. You know, listen, uh, uh, they're not our enemies. Some of them are our family. Some of them are our friends. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, and if we have the love of God in us, we need to display the heart of God. You know, the Lord is what is what does sacred scripture say, Reuben? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, mm -hmm. but that all should come to repentance. And that that has to be the heart of the believer. Listen, um, we don't go, ew, you know, uh, you know, you're a homo. No, we don't we don't do that. Why? Because homosexuality is a sin just like any other sin. And if you're gonna come to follow Christ, you're gonna have to uh, repent from that sin. That that's the bottom line. It's called repentance, and that's the the element that's so often overlooked. Um, you know, mm -hmm. when we're, when people are advocating, oh, we you know build a bridge. Well, I'm all about building a bridge, but we also need uh, to understand that um, you know there's certain people. When we're talking about you know, we all suffer from the effects of original sin. And as, as a consequence, we all actually sin. Now, we all have different, Ruben, as you know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And mm -hmm. some people have a propensity to be weak in that area. We all have what's called concupiscence, right? right. Now, concup yeah, and as you know, Ruben, concupiscence itself is not a sin. It mm -hmm. is a strong um, uh, desire. And, you know, and it's and it's and it's expressed in a sexual way. And so we, we just have that. That in of itself is not a sin. It's what happens, uh, you know, under this effect. And right. we know that because of original sin, Reuben, that we have disordered appetites and so forth. And all right. this is fuel. It's like the world is pouring gasoline on it and lighting a match. I mm -hmm. mean, it, you know, it's setting everybody up for failure. Mm -hmm. um, but. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, so he, he, they, this was his first pest conference. So they were hammering him on his mm -hmm. previous comments in 2018. So he doubled down and he. I like it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I know. So he, uh, you know, he, he stood his course. He stood his ground. And um, I like that, too, um, because. OK, well, well, coming up on a break, we'll see you on the other side of the break. We'll finish up on this topic. Be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, two Mac car, Paul and Ruben. And we're going over an article. It's a, there's the, the new USCCB bishop who took over for, uh, he's taking over for Archbishop Gomez. Is uh, He's been hammered by a lot of those people on the left, this homosexual community, because he said there is a, we would be, uh, there's ser- serious issues between uh, the, the abuse of children and, you know, gays in the priesthood. And um, so he was, he was laid out by New Ways Ministry. Um, and it's an LGBT plus group. Um, and they were tweeting about him and, and, and they're trying to downplay the John Jay study. And um, what, 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 yeah, what's John, the John Jay study? Okay, so yeah, this was there was a a, a college, John Jay College, I believe it's New York, but they did a study on this, and they came out with that eighty two percent of the people molested were were young boys, you know, yeah. over the age of twelve. There, and yeah. so yeah, there was only just a handful of, uh, of girls that were abused, but you know I, I if you're messing with boys i don't care you've got a proclivity to to being a homosexual so uh it's just you know you and i uh, that's not part of our dna so uh, it's 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 not going to go over well with us but uh there yeah the studies have found that homosexual clergy are not the major source of clerical abuse are based on misrepresentations of the john jay report well homosexuality was not identified in the report as the cause of the abuse the vast majority of abuses were committed against young males. So um, then there was a LifeSite News analyst of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. Uh, you want to read that, Paul? <clears throat> LifeSite analyst of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. Yeah, one sec. Uh, let me just pull that back up. Uh, here we go. Um, where are we at? LifeSite News Analysis of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, PJGR, conducted shortly after the publication of the report, found that the vast majority of reported sexual predator priests were homosexuals, most of whom preyed on teenage boys. Nearly three-quarters of the offending priests were homosexual, while only about a quarter were heterosexual. So uh-huh. you were, yeah. So if you, you want to take it from there, you found it? <clears throat> I actually didn't. Okay, uh, no worries. <clears throat> so <clears throat> fewer than 3% of the victims were adults and those were most young, uh, the most were young seminarians. Like who was that cardinal uh, that does defrocked and, and he was preying on young seminarians, taking them to his beach house, called it Cardinal McCarrick. And uh, yes. so we know that goes on. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of priests and Jesse could attest to this because he talks to a lot of these young guys that have, walked away from a potential, um, you know, uh, vocation because of what they, what happened to them in the seminary. And uh, <clears throat> that's unfortunate. Uh, for an, a, deputy, a deputy friend of mine, he worked with me at East LA. He had done the minor seminary at St. John's in Camarillo. And uh, <clears throat> he was thinking he was going to be a priest. And he saw the rampant homosexuality in the seminary, and he had wanted no part of it. And he walked away from it. So, you know, I, I would say that rather than there be a shortage of priests, the good, 
young men are being turned away because they don't believe the way these woke, uh, you know, uh, people on the left are. They don't. They don't believe like that. They pray the rosary. Yeah. They're into you know adoration. So, what do you say? Well, listen. Um, I know, and I think uh, you're aware also that uh, there was a certain time in church history. Uh, actually, um, not too long ago, I think when we were growing up, where uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, the idea of people who practice homosexuality were in the closet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they knew that uh, they weren't accepted by society uh, at large. And so many of them never divulged, you know, mm -hmm. you know the fact that they were, uh, you know, practicing homosexuals. And so, Reuben... I think a lot of them sought refuge in the church. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, why? Because number one, the church is filled with a bunch of young men, number mm -hmm. one, and people who were viewed as not being a threat. You know, they weren't going to, you know, get bashed or beat up or, you know, and, uh, and so I honestly think that um, for the church was just a fertile ground, you know, to, you know, where people sought refuge. And uh, now uh, here we are, you know, 40, 50 years later, yeah. and we're seeing what the result of that is because these people, many of them have ascended to high places and yeah. uh, within the church and they have, and it's, and I'm really sorry to say this, but, you know, some of them have, uh, cultivated uh, an environment that uh, literally, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the, so to speak, grooming and so forth, and uh, mm -hmm. it's it's just sad. Really, is sad because, but but at the same time, it's reality because we realize that. Listen, the church is not immune from attack, and this is just one attack. It's not the first time. Um, you know, the numbers are so staggering, you know, mm -hmm. things going on in the church that it, 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 you know, to some, it might seem shocking, but the reality is, is, uh, um, you know, the Catholic church is in fact, the church, uh, that Jesus Christ founded. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there is always a faithful remnant and, uh, what we have to do, this is the challenge that you and I have in our time to live our faith, to, uh, to, to lift up holy priests, to pray for holy priests and, uh, to not let, uh, um, to not allow ourselves to be scandalized. Uh, yeah, but I, I think opinion. it should be. I think it should be mentioned though that majority of our priests are good priests, um, and because somebody has a proclivity to homosexual attraction, doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be. You know, if he has it, uh, he controls it. Just like you know, a heterosexual. Yes. They're still bound yes. to, you know, to uh, um, chastity. And uh, yeah. so that, that, but this is what John Paul II said of the catechism. He said uh, that uh, 2357, 2359, the catechism sets out the church's position on homosexuality. The teaching commences basing, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity. Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary yes. to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed 
from a genuine effective and sexual complementarity, under no circumstances can they be approved. It then goes on and says the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. So it's not just a few. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of them a trial. And it concludes by saying homosexual persons are called to chastity, like yes. I just said, by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. So there's there's this not, not negligible number of people with the deep-seated homosexual yep. tendencies. That's in society. Um, so you mentioned it here. Um, so can you think of a vocation that can think of that might nicely meet all those requirements as an important part of the job description? You know, you said it. <laughs> yeah. Priest. You're Catholic yeah. and gay. You join the clergy where you find support and disinterested friends, a rule to be chased, and where prayer and sacrament will be vocational necessities. So some of them are trying to fight this, and they get in. And it's like you're, you, you're giving up alcohol, Paul, but then you're hanging out in the bars. You're gonna oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, Reuben. You said you said the magic word. Uh, Listen, that's why the Bible says, you know, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the of the wicked, nor stand in the seat with, uh, uh, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Right in in the book of Psalms, if you're standing in the path with sinners, uh, this is why I'm not an advocate, Reuben. Of you know. uh, you know, in like AA groups and so forth, what yeah. they do is they they lump people uh, who are all struggling with the same weakness together. How can they how can they not know that that's a a, res- a recipe for disaster? Yeah. You know, because uh, you know you, you don't see that. That's not a biblical model where it, you know if we're if we're all struggling uh, uh, from a certain sin, let's just all go together and have little group therapy. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Why? Because we're emotional beings. We have good days. We have bad days. Sometimes we're strong. Sometimes we're weak. And all it takes is, you know, just, uh, you know, what you need. The, the model should be you take somebody who has unhealthy behavior and you surround them with love and you surround them with people who do not have a, a proclivity in order to fall in that area. Mm-hmm. That's what the model should be. What say mm-hmm. you? Yeah, you're 100 percent. And I've always said that association is key. You know, you yeah. you hang out hang out with uh, you know five guys that are going to gay bars and and uh, trying to pick up on on other you know same sex attraction uh, yeah. folks. Then you're going to be the sixth one, and you know five of you are hanging out. But if you hang out with somebody who's on fire for their faith, someone who's yes. you know who, who's following the church teachings and and uh, has a devotional life, a spiritual life. You're yes. gonna, you're, you're gonna follow them. You're gonna you're gonna be just like them. You know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Power of power of association is huge, uh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, Ruben. The world has insulated itself against all criticism, as you know, so that if you have uh, the opinion that you and I are sharing, somehow you're guilty of being a hater. You know, you're guilty. You know, and if you say the things we're saying, oh, that's just hate speech or homophobia. Yeah. But yeah. you know. You know, Ruben, that's not true. Actually, the opposite is true. Yeah. You love them enough to tell them the truth, mm-hmm. uh, even at the risk, and, and it is a risk in this day and age, of persecution. And guess what? That persecution will come. If you mm-hmm. speak the way we're speaking, 
you, you know, you're, you know, let's cancel them. You know, we live in what they call cancel culture, right? Um, yes. Listen, uh, blessed are you, the Lord said, when men say things falsely against you on account of me. You see, yeah. we already know uh, God, uh, Jesus is anticipating, uh, you know, that we're going to encounter this. But you know what? We need to just take courage and know that. Listen, uh, so they they persecuted the prophets before us. I think Jeremiah, he was known as the weeping prophet. Every time he opened his mouth, they wanted to beat him because they mm -hmm. didn't like what he had to say, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. do you think it's too long of a bow to suppose that there's an equation in operation within the Catholic Church, which might be something like this, the following here. Homosexual mm -hmm. orientation plus feelings of guilt that acting on such orientation is disordered, plus joining the clergy to try to impose chastity upon oneself, repression, plus prohibition on sexual relationships with other adults, plus close proximity to children equals increased risk of pedophilia or pederasty. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it does hey, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to figure that one out. Yep. And it, 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 it just makes me, you know, uh, you know, shriek when I hear people say, oh, there's no room. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Jesus 911, where iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Uh, Paul, you want to make a final comment on the on the, the last topic? Yeah, before we move on to the next one, Ruben, I'd just yeah. like to say, you know, if you are serious about following Christ, then homosexuality, like any other sin, should be confessed and repented from. It's no different than a man or a woman who struggles with promiscuity or adultery. The problem that we have today is we live in a world that has declared uh, homosexuality as healthy and normal. And that's a lie. It's a sin uh, that goes against the order of creation. And that's what we believe. Let's, uh, let's hit the next topic, Ruben. Okay. This is uh, for parents who blame themselves when their adult kids go astray. And mm. uh, this resonated with me. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> All trying, to get, trying to get my kids back uh, into the faith. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, Paul, uh, mm -hmm. I, have, I believe and I have hope that because I did raise them up in the faith, that they will come back. And it's my, my prayer daily, Amen. every day, Paul, I mean, there's not a, a day that goes by that I'm not asking for their uh, conversion and, and uh, to come back. And uh, it'll happen. Uh, I just, that's you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, I, I'm, I'm confident that it's going to happen. So well, uh, well, go, well, go ahead. Just, just a comment on that, Ruben. You know, sacred scripture tells us the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And as long as you seek to live a righteous life, as long as you seek to be in a state of grace, receiving holy communion, you are a powerful advocate for those around you. Uh, and as you know, we have the Blessed Mother uh, uh, that we can uh, ask, uh, you know, that, you know, she bring our loved ones under their mantle, uh, okay. under her mantle of protection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're in good shape, Ruben. I, I agree with you. It's it, it's a good thing to be Catholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So, but, yeah. but what you just mentioned on the flip side, when you're not in a state of grace, your prayers are ineffective. They're bouncing off mm. the walls. So yeah. you, you can't help them when you're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, right. that's, that's the truth. I, you know, I, a priest friend of mine, uh, he said that he called, he said, when you're in a state of mortal sin, you're an aversio deo. You're an aversion to God. Mm, and, and yeah yeah so that's yeah. that's where we're at um, so let's get into this article well you want to start it sure recently i had to confront a friend who was at her wit's end about what to do with one of her children in fact she was so frustrated and anxious about her 26 year old daughter's behavior that in between her tears what have i done wrong I didn't bring her up to be like this. Mm -hmm. It's the sort of reflection I'm hearing more and more from other parents of young adults. Parents who are rightly concerned that their children seem to be lacking direction, drive, and a strong work ethic. <laughs> that's, that's almost the, the <laughs> mantra for, yeah. for this generation, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, my friend, well, we'll call her Liz has been working full-time since she was 18. She devotes her time to caring for her family, including uh, an infirm elderly aunt. She projects kindness and generosity. She is devout in her faith, which has been the cornerstone of her life. Her daughter ab abandoned her studies, has no job, and is driving around the south of France with, without a care in the world, having inherited a lot of money from her late father. Wow. When Liz asks her daughter, yeah, when Liz asks her daughter about her plans, she snaps at her and tells her that it's none of her business, even though she relies quite heavily on her mother. Uh, sounds, <laughs> sounds like the prodigal son, right? Going out and yeah. squandering his uh, the father's money. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah. It's a tricky situation, and Liz and I have spoken about it at length. It's easy to say she's an adult, let her get on with it. But Liz still feels responsible for her daughter. And that's true, Paul. They're always going to be our kids. You're never going to, they're yep. still, in, in our eyes, they're, they're, our, uh, they're our little, you see them in, when they were innocent, you know? And uh, you remember how much uh, you, you had it's funny, uh, Ruben. plans. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, on my cell phone, you know, you know how you could put a picture on for a phone number? Yeah, all my all my pictures of my kids are when they were like five years old. <laughs> you know, because that's, that's how I see them. You know, I see them as little kids calling. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I get it; they're adults, but you know, and when you know when their number flashes up, I see pictures of them when they were children. And yeah, I, and, I, and that's not a bad thing, actually. You know, because you know it helps me remember that I have responsibility to to guide them. You know, no matter what age they're at, yeah. and, and I'm going to be held accountable for the advice I give. Yeah. Um, but I, I said, I wouldn't beat yourself up if uh, you've done all you could and they still went astray because the world has a strong pull on them. And when, you know, a lot of kids in my, in my kids' uh, case, uh, they got distracted at college and, yeah. you know, being around the, uh, the liberal mindset. Uh, yep. So, but Father Ripperger, he says to say this prayer. So uh, you say, Lord, help me to see or help so-and-so help. Let's say help Liz. Help Liz see herself as you see her and help me see 
her as you see her and let nothing that I say or do ever keep her from embracing the whole the truths of the Roman Catholic faith. And yeah. that's, a, that's a powerful prayer. So uh, you guys, uh, you could pick that, put that in your arsenal. And so when God's seen her, he's seen them like in their first communion gown, when they were innocent, when they're pristine, you know, they had the graces going through them. And uh, that's, anyway. That's, you know, you know, Ruben, I'm reminded of one of, one of my daughters, you know, and, uh, you know, I love her so much. And I tell her, yeah. you know, um, uh, you need to do this or you need to do it. And she says, Dad, nobody thinks like you out there. <laughs> that's what she tells me she says uh you know if i'm if i'm giving her advice about right. you know uh, the, the type of man she should you know have and I, she says nobody thinks like that anymore and it, and you know it's a sad reality ruben that uh because of you and it could be a lot of because of you know tech you know the bible says that the heart of man is desperately sick right exceedingly wicked above all things so so when we when we have all this technology where ideas can be floated around they're so you know exposed to 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 you know ideas and and concepts that that are just foreign and they have such an influence you turn on the tv and it's just um you know uh, it's bad news whatever whatever you're hearing it's taking you in the wrong direction rarely do you see anything healthy and good um you can't even turn a movie on anymore yeah Exactly, Paul. And, uh, you know, go on with the article. Um, you know, I also pointed out that society today is very different to previous generations, much like you said, and far yeah. further removed from the realities of our own childhoods. When we were mm -hmm. growing up, our parents could rely on three solid institutions to influence their children, the church, the family, and the school system. Moms and dads could determine the, the school environment, religious education they wanted to give their children and this helped provide the solid moral grounding and direction children needed to carry them through to adulthood. Now, decades later, these institutions have far more influence than parents imagined. And mm. um, so the growth and spread of the Internet, like you said, Paul, has opened our children's eyes to things we could never have imagined growing up. For our kids, mm -hmm. there's a constant stream of aggressive opinions flowing into their phones and computer screens. There's also permanent access to news flooding in from every corner of the world from every, many different outlets. It's overwhelming and can have a detrimental effect on a young person's mental health. Yep. Young, adult, young adults today are also part of the influencer generation. We're almost celeb like social media gurus gather millions of followers and try to influence their buying behavior, their leisure choices, their physical appearance, and much more. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you know, Ruben, though, look at the suicide rate these days, though. You know, uh, there are so many, society is so, uh disconnected and deconstruction has just affected so many areas that um it's unfortunate but there's so many cash i call them casualties of war right because yeah. we are in a battle this is church militant and uh, so many people get shipwrecked and and they feel like there's no hope there's no there's no answer but i i, I would just say ruben uh in in, in a comment you know the bible says uh, let every man work out his salvation in fear and trembling. Right. You know, we're talking and, and we're we're talking about, you know, um, yeah, men will let you down. Sometimes men uh, who shouldn't let you down, men, in, you know, that are in places within the church, you know, they they can and will let you down. 
But the only one that I know that'll never let you down is our Lord mm -hmm. and our lady, because they are all about God's agenda. They are all about, uh, uh, you know, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that your yes. life, you know, the abundant life. The, you know, Jesus is willing to give uh, us more than we're, you know, willing to accept. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, Paul. But there's a, there was a Gallup poll that was reported earlier this year that church membership by Americans has hit a historic low, falling for the first time below 50 percent. More disturbing is the growing number of young people who identify as knowns, those without any religious affiliation. So, mm. but you know, there was a, a sociologist uh, who once warned lukewarm parents that we'll get what we are. Lukewarm mm -hmm. begets lukewarm, he was saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, in, yes indeed. And, and what you were saying is your daughter, what she was saying, hey, no one thinks like you. Well, that's what being holy is about, Paul, being set apart. Yeah. Right? And that yes, is uh, what we need to do is set ourselves apart from this corrupt generation. And uh, yeah. so let's say, let, let's, uh, let's keep on working on our children. I would, I would keep nagging them. Uh, that, uh, that doesn't work. I've tried that. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So you, you I, think, know. I think we're coming up Go on ahead, a break. So on the other side, okay. On the other side of the break, we're going to switch gears and we're going to be talking about, um, Seven questions for Archbishop Corte Leone out of San Francisco and uh, what he says about Prop 1 and, and about the Eucharist. And we're going to go into that. So see um, on the other side of the break. Don't change that. Don't change the dial. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We are uh, mm -hmm. going into a another article. Uh, this is Archbishop Cordelione was uh, was interviewed and they asked him seven questions. Um, he's the, the bishop, Archbishop of San Francisco. He sat down with the Catholic news agency for an interview during a break in the proceedings of the U.S. Bishop's fall meeting in Baltimore last week. He's a staunch advocate for the unborn, spoke out against Prop 1. That's here in California. That was a ballot initiative to add the right to abortion to California's constitution, which the received right to abortion. <laughs> it received over 66% of the vote in the 2022 midterm elections. One week later, the Archbishop shared his thoughts on what is next. For the pro-life movement, his hopes for the Bishop's Eucharistic Revival Initiative and how to address a lack of trust that priests have for their bishops. Uh, this interview was edited for length and clarity, but um, <laughs> I'll tell you, if, for those of you who don't know, it basically gives you the right to take your, the baby's life up to 10 months. You have like a whole month after it's born. If something happens, they can't accuse, they can't uh, charge you with murder. So oh. it... it, it Ah, it's disgusting. It's murder. Well, it, you, you know, Ruben, if there was ever any doubt that evil exists, yeah. well, you need look no further than Proposition One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no further than Prop One. Yeah, I mean, they, they the left is constantly uh, railing against us for believing in the death penalty. Yet, what do they do with children? They the children were innocent, didn't do anything. 
you know, what, you know, whatever you think of the death penalty, I, I, uh, you know, like you, Paul, we've had, we lost friends in our profession. So we probably have strong feelings about it. Now, should it be used as a last resort? Of course, you know, for the most serious cases, but uh, there's a, there's no excuse for killing a baby who's done nothing other than, you know, uh, was conceived in the womb. So go ahead, Paul, read the first question. Yeah, but just like to make one comment before I do that, Ruben. You know, when we're talking about the death penalty, uh, I think that people who are opposed to it so much, uh, mm-hmm. at least in experience, and I'm not talking about, but, 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 but I'll just say that people who are against the death penalty, they, you know, they're people who are too concerned with the things of this world. They're people who believe that uh, somehow this world represents everything. And it, to me, it, betrays almost a lack of faith, you know, in the things that we should be concerned about, which is heaven, which is our end, right? G.K. Mm-hmm. Chesterton, we're only in this world. Why? To get out of this world, mm-hmm. you know, that's, well you know, yeah. And so, you know, let the, you know, you can let the chips fall where they may, you know, it, you know, but the reality of the situation is, is we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where evil exists. And sometimes God recognizes that, uh, you know, that while we're in this state, you know, sometimes the solution is uh, death. Uh, I I heard it put like this one time, Ruben. uh, If if you take your kid out to a dinner party and your kid starts acting up and, and, uh, you know, doing all these things. As the parent, don't you have a right to tell that child to come to you know to yeah. come home? <laughs> or you know, you, we're going. Right. Let's go. Yeah. Well, well, God's a better parent than us, you know, and, and and God is also you know you know protecting the rest of His children. Uh, you know, people can believe what they want on it, but I think that the church has maintained and, and supported the death penalty over uh, literally centuries and centuries yeah. from the beginning from the onset so any any new view is a novel view yeah. and it should be looked at with uh i'd say uh, suspicion <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah okay so the pro-life movement suffered a defeat in california with the passage of prop one what advice do you have for the opponents of uh of abortion uh what advice do you have for opponents of abortion in this post-Dobbs political climate, hmm. we uh, we we have to. I think it, what what it wants to say. What advice do you have for uh, 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 opponents? Yeah, of abortion. Yeah. Okay, he says we have to keep go uh, doing what we have been doing. I think the key is this: walk uh, walking with moms in yes. need. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the U.S. Bishops Nationwide Initiative uh, to assist pregnant and uh, parenting women. So, you mm-hmm. know, so of course we're going to uh, walk with them in need. Uh, we have to continue holding up what is real compassion for a woman in that situation who's scared, isolated, full of anxiety, under all kinds of pressure and feeling lonely. needs to be surrounded with love and support. Right on, Bishop. Mm-hmm. Right on. Ruben. Uh, yes. That's ex- 
exactly what needs to happen. Uh, the problem is the, the reason why these women are seeking abortions is because their lives are essentially uh, empty. Their lives are falling apart. Uh, you know, or, 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 or their priorities have been, um, uh, it's unfortunate, but they have believed certain lies. And so we as Catholics, and this is why it's so important to be there ready, willing, and available to uh, always offer love, support, and hope for people in difficult situations. And lo and behold, when that happens, they'll turn away from what they might have done. You know, uh, they might, you know, instead of compiling evil upon evil, they'll reverse course and begin to do good. Yeah, so he's right on. Yeah. And then uh, considering prop one, um, how do you move the needle on this issue? Do you, do you put more money into walking with mothers in need or do you put more, put your efforts into doing a better job of communication? And he says, well, it's all of the above. And um, there, there's a lot of false narratives. I don't know how many times I've heard from abortion advocates, well, you guys want them to have children, but you don't do anything for them once, once they're born. You do nothing for them. Well, we had the manager of Life Center of Santa Ana on the show um, mm -hmm. in, in California. They do a tremendous job of walking with moms to facilitate their saying yes to life. And most uh, people don't know what's available until someone makes them aware. So if you're listening and you have a need and live in Southern California, you can call Life Center of Santa Ana at 714-835-5433. They offer services like ongoing emotional and spiritual support, hope for an encouragement, mentor match program, free pregnancy testing, free ultrasound, crib assistance program, referrals, maternity clothing, all these things, prenatal vitamins, diapers and wipes. This is exactly what the bishop is saying: walking with moms, and that's yes. uh, that's what they're doing. Yes. So and those, and those, yeah, and those places have been under attack, Ruben. Oh yeah, they've been they, you know they've been in the in the in the sight, so to speak, of yeah. uh, uh, you know of the abortion advocates as you know somehow you know so they don't want us to do those things. They don't want uh, these women to be exposed to love and tenderness and truth because they know that if they if these women are they'll be out of business mm -hmm. maybe paul let's let's drop down to the uh um like what are the what are your hopes for eucharistic revival are you seeing enthusiasm for it and do you think the initiative will bear fruit so let's talk about the eucharist now what does he say yeah um okay so let me hit it. okay here we are yeah we're having these processions with the Blessed Sacrament from the four parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And the one from the West Coast, as it turns out, I didn't suggest it, but it's starting from our cathedral. So as plans start coming together, it's starting to generate some excitement. So I'd say that it has, that has a lot of potential. Always the takeaway. What's going to change afterwards? It can't be just a happy memory. It has to change the way we treat the Eucharist, the way we regard it, the way we prepare for mass, the way mass is celebrated and carried out. All that has to change, the quality of preaching, the frequency of confession, all of these, there has to be some change. That's the takeaway. But I'm not hoping that this three-year Eucharistic revival will be a, uh, he, says, but, he says, but I'm hoping that this three-year Eucharistic revival will be a catalyst for all of that. 
Again, yeah. Ruben, he is right on. Yeah. What in particular about the mass needs to change? And he says how the blessed sacrament is handled and how people prepare to receive communion. Respectfully. Yes. There's a lot of goodwill out there. I think people just need better information and awareness about it. So I do think there's a lot to work on. So let's just think an example. Um, can you imagine if you're showing up uh, to your wedding while being engaged to somebody else? What if you arrived on your first day at work, Paul, in your pajamas? Uh, how about go? How about going to a fancy restaurant, putting your food on a paper plate? You know, so, you know, more yeah. seriously, imagine a general yeah. revealing your country's plans to the enemy. The most important things in life require what commitment, comportment, dignity, and fidelity. Therefore, you know, we, we need commitment to Christ, and and we can't attach, uh, we cannot be attached to anything above Him. So. We have to be clothed in his grace and preserve the purity of our baptism. When we come to the, the Lord's, you know, when we come to eat the Lord's body, we need to come prepared as a worthy vessel that can hold the gift rather than a leaky container. And we can't take the gift and turn it over to the enemy by falling into sin. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we know, all know what uh, your namesake says about, you know, St. Paul says about whoever receives, eats, therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a yeah. man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. That's First Corinthians 11, 27 to 30. Every Catholic needs to know that verse. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So go well, ahead. Well, I think, uh, I think we're I think we're coming up on at the end of the show. Any last comments, Paul? Yeah, um, uh, I like Bishop uh, Corleone. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's on point. It sounds like he's advocating that we Catholics return to Catholic thoughts, Catholic ideas, things that never cease to be true, but you know somehow, in, you know, in the hustle and bustle of life, uh, they have been de-emphasized and that's what he's he's calling for he's calling for revival he's calling for people uh to you know uh it's time to put on sackcloth and ashes reuben and fall on our face and say well uh, woe is me for i am uh, a man of unclean lips and i live amongst unclean people god pour out your grace pour out your mercy send the holy spirit to convict the world of sin amen all right well that was uh that was quick uh imagine how fast the time goes when you're having fun paul so uh, i appreciate you uh being in the front seat with me and uh we'll, we'll see you another time god bless you thank uh, you ruben god bless you've been listening to jesus 911 so stay tuned for hands-on apologetics with gary mishuda if you like what you hear hit the like button and share it with others god bless you peace out 10 8 10 7 <laughs> Well, well, it's an in-service subject to call, brother. That's right. <laughs> 10-10. Yeah. Out-of-service subject to call. Yeah. Yep.